You're listening to the Teaching Matters podcast, brought to you by the University of Edinburgh and part of the Teaching Matters blog. Teaching Matters brings together students and staff in conversation, debate, and celebration of learning and teaching in higher education. Feel free to share your comments with us, either directly on the blog or email us at teachingmatters at ed.ac.uk. You can listen and subscribe to the Teaching Matters podcast at Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and music is provided by Hook Sounds. This is also a symptom of our society. It's a symptom of how we do consent. We're, we're often actually manipulating, persuading people, cajoling people. I mean, I mean, how much is that actually used in education? You know, you're, mm. you're, you're actually motivated to get a mark. I mean, there's a, there's a so already I like question mark. How consensual is it if you're just desperate to get a qualification that will help you get a job? You know, like <laughs> consent is is freely given. Consent means you can leave at any moment, and it's and it's fine. In the second episode of my conversation with psychologist and founder of the Consent Collective, Dr. Nina Burrows, we continue exploring consent as an interpersonal skill that requires nurturing, deconstruction, and practice. Dr. Burrows reflects on the role of higher education institutions in providing safe spaces for making mistakes, and she also talks about the deep interconnection between learning and healing. We think consent is about do you have the right information and then are you, are you a good person? Mm. And that's a terrible framing of consent. Consent isn't that at all. Consent is a skill. It's a skill in terms of how in touch with your own body are you and your own boundaries and your own needs so that you're not projecting all of your stuff onto everybody else and taking it out on them. And then the other side of it is how good are you at communicating and communicating in those moments where you feel incredibly vulnerable and maybe the other person does, you know, when you've got it wrong, when you've made a mistake, when you're feeling a bit of shame around something, that's exactly the skills we're talking about, those painfully vulnerable encounters where you're just hoping somebody else is coming and going to swoop in and make it okay and no, you have to sit with this, with this other person and you need to be able to have a conversation in a way that's safe for both of you, that can hold all of this not knowing and that's the skill we're talking about. And you don't pick it up in a workshop, you know, in Welcome Week. This is a, a lifelong adult skill that will make you a better partner, a better parent, a better colleague, yes, and a better sexual partner too. In the last episode, we discussed how consent is an embodied practice. Being more embodied opens pathways for communicating differently. So consent work is also about reflecting and deconstructing some of the ways in which we were socialized to communicate. The thing about if you've got a job like mine is you're very keen to work consensually. So I'm not really here to persuade anyone. If we're not on the same page, that's fine. Maybe one day we will be. There are, I've kind of arrived having done this for, for many years, and I, this is also a symptom of our society. It's a symptom of how we do consent. We're, we're often actually manipulating, persuading people, cajoling people. I mean, how much is that actually used in education? Mm. You're actually motivated to get a mark. I mean, there's a... So already, like, question mark, how consensual is it if you're just desperate to get a qualification that will help you get a job? You know, like, <laughs> consent is, is freely given. Consent means you can leave at any moment and it's fine. So for me personally, um, I guess there's been a journey of realizing 
oh, I've been taught to think about things in this way, to persuade people, to explain to them why it would be good to them, for them and all the rest of it. And, you know, how different is that to someone who's trying to persuade someone to have sex with them? You know, when you're, mm. you're trying to talk somebody into having sex with you. Mm. The Consent Collective aims to provide a large and well-furnished toolbox to equip those of us who are interested in prompting and enabling these difficult conversations. In this sense, there's an approach about communicating that is much more horizontal and egalitarian as opposed to explanatory. Our stance is there are plenty of people out there that this completely resonates with. You know, they're struggling. Um, there are unfortunately far too many people out there who are living with their own histories of, of harm, um, having experienced harm. And so really, it, we're just making stuff that that speaks to the very huge choir <laughs> yeah. that already exists. And then, you know, and then that's the work. So a lot of our job is to empower other people to have these conversations with their people. And so that's why we're building resources. So our, our ideal situation isn't that every student and member of staff at the University of Edinburgh gets to spend time with us directly or me. It's that we spend time with your women's officer and then they build something and you engage with mm. that. But we're, we're supporting the people at your university who are deeply passionate about this and, and, and want to grow and learn. Um, and, and so that's why the consent piece is, is about finding the people who are already enthusiastically up for this and then trusting the ripple effect. This ripple effect can help carve new spaces in which we can make mistakes. Spaces that provide safety for pushing the boundaries of our comfort zone and grow together. Institutions and classrooms have the immense potential for providing such spaces. We don't come out of the womb with a, you know, all of this knowledge. We, we have to acquire all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we need, it's not even self-compassion, I think it's wisdom. There's something to me as a psychologist, so now I'm really getting my psychologist hat on, yeah, but is, there's something almost arrogant about assuming that you could get it right. I come from a position of, I am getting it horribly wrong mostly, you know, if we even want to use that language anymore, I, I actually think wrong right is, is, is perhaps part of the problem. If I'm learning something new, it's inevitable that as part of that process, I'm going to be making mistakes. So what we do not need on our university campuses is good people who always get it right. That's right. ridiculous. But I do think that a lot of the thinking that goes into how universities respond to these challenges is almost like that. Mm -hmm. What we spaces where it's safe to make a mistake spaces where i can say hey i'm a white person and i would like to work on being more anti-racist but i need a space where i can come in and i'm i want to ask the questions i'm too embarrassed to ask anywhere else and I, i don't want to cause harm to others so i want the other people in that space to be signed up to the idea that this is what we're doing here we're we're supporting each other on this process But because we lack those spaces, mm -hmm. awful calling out culture, which just isolates people, um, we need to start calling people in and recognizing that, hey, if I, if I say something to you about something you've said and it's just landed with me in a really bad way, that is an act of generosity. Like mm -hmm. I'm invested in you mm -hmm. and I don't believe that you... I, I believe you want to know this about yourself. And because I'm invested in you, I'm not going to be like, oh, you got it wrong. Get out of here. It's like, hey, you know what? I've made that mistake before. You know, mm -hmm. I was where you were. 
um, and I will make a mistake about something else and I would love it if you would call me in and, and could you do it in a way that I can hear without having to pander too much to my, you know, fragile ego. But it, that's the dance that we need to be able to do with each other. And it's, it's actually purely a dance of learning, mm -hmm. le learning how to be human and do relationships. And the gorgeous thing that we're constantly encountering is difference. But we tend to respond to it with fear instead mm -hmm. of, oh, I need to learn something new here because this is different. How did this last year of living and working in a pandemic affect this subtle dance? What lessons can be drawn from a year of crisis and uncertainty? Where do we go from here? I think when it comes to looking back at the year we've been through, it would be so easy to have quite a, a negative conversation about that. And I think it's important to recognize there have been lots of things that happened that are not ideal, that are not great, and all of the rest of it. I guess for me, what I do notice about now is we're kind of like, we're in a moment of chaos and disruption. And that is a very creative space, you know, that, so the, so the, whilst it's uncomfortable, the potential for change right now is really interesting, really interesting. And so that's the thing that excites me. The thing that concerns me is, you know, one of the first things we had to do is the consent collective, we're invited to hold a seminar and it just really struck me. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm suddenly in the rooms of all these students. I'm in their bedrooms, you know, like the camera is in their bedroom. Um, which is such a personal and intimate space. And they probably don't really have any choice about that because, you know, they don't have a spare room and they don't have a home office. And I was just aware that, you know, there's kind of a lot of these things are recorded as well. And so, so now there's, there's this kind of digital footprint out there of mm -hmm. us in our bedrooms talking about mm -hmm. stuff. And so there's all of that stuff that we absolutely really need to think about. But the stuff that that's made me quite excited or maybe just warmed my heart. One of the things that I saw come out of the Black Lives Matter movement over the summer was the establishing of the Free Black University. The Free Black University is an initiative founded by PhD student Melz Owuzu in the UK that aims to create a radical, anti-colonial and queer space in which to reimagine higher education. The Free Black University's vision is to encourage the development of transformative and radical knowledge through open access resources, libraries, and lectures. The project seeks to provide a space of community and support for Black students, putting healing and well-being at the heart of the educational experience. When I looked on, on about, you know, looked at their material, I had like a, just a deep smile because they had also arrived at the thinking that education and healing go absolutely hand in hand and you cannot separate the two. So their, their narrative is very much we need to heal ourselves from the kind of racialized world in which we've had to grow up. And learning about that is part of it. You literally cannot separate the two. And I think, you know, obviously I wholeheartedly agree with them. Um, and I think we could get more curious about, you know, it doesn't mean we have to get the crystals out and, you know, we'll wear sandals. To me, there's wisdom in that. And something about wisdom, wisdom isn't just our left brain, I've got the right answers. There's nothing wise in having the right answers. There's something wise in ask, asking the good questions. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's ever, um, ever a moment for us to ask better questions and we have permission to do so, it is now.